0: This is the Agile Thoughts Pod Podcast, and I'm Lance Kind. Hi, I'm Brian Finster. Um,
1: I've been a software developer for over 20 years, and um, I know from my personal experience that continuous delivery makes developers' lives better, and I'm on a mission to help every developer live better lives, and I think everyone else should be too. So I really think people should dig in to what continuous delivery is, how to get it from idea to end user and get feedback as rapidly as possible, to increase the quality and allow people to sleep better at night, especially developers. I've carried a pager for a long time. Nobody should wake up in the middle of the night. CD allows us to sleep.
0: This is a continuing episode with Brian Finster about contract testing. On episode 122 is when we kicked off this series. Go to the show archive to find it. Now, let's say I haven't read the Jazz humble Bible, right? Are there kinds of problems that people with pretty good test coverage still have if they don't have contract tests?
1: Which side? Consumers or providers? Let's,
0: let's, uh, <laughs> okay, so we talked about, let's stick with the uh, providers for a moment.
1: Okay. I think if providers don't have uh, contract test coverage, if, if a contract test on the provider side is a kind of unit test. They have not fully tested the behavior of their application. So they've got some uncertainty about whether or not things are going to break, and, and it's and you know on the provider side it's a, a unit test testing something specifically different from the business logic, but it is still either a, you know a, a unit test, and you you haven't fully vetted out your application. Yeah.
0: Maybe let me let me speculate on that for a minute. I think uh, sure. so for example, if I had all my micro tests and my macro test passing, but I didn't have contract tests, I might still have bugs and I'm going to find out from my consumers and they're going to say, "Hey, your test pass." Or no, they don't they don't know by test pass, but they say, "Hey, Something broke. And I go, no, yeah. no. Well, my tests are passing. Everything looks good. I'm well, yeah, but I mean, if
1: you have two tests, all of your tests pass. I mean, you know, how much of your application is actually fully being tested? Yeah.
0: Well, I'm actually going with the theory that we actually did a reasonably good job. We just didn't think of... We were great test automators, but we just didn't do contract testing. And uh, I'm trying to think of what would happen in the best case if you had all of the good, reason, good test coverage, but if you still didn't do contract sure. testing. Uh,
1: on, the, on the provider side... Uh, test, that would actually show up in your test coverage report. You'd see unit tests that were not being executed against a portion of the code that was covering your API. Yeah. Right? And so you would see a gap there immediately.
0: Well, I think it could—requirements misunderstanding. So we designed it. yeah, that's true. And our our test passed, but, oh, we didn't know you were going to, you know, use our interface in a way either— we didn't expect or we didn't understand. Uh, and that mm-hmm. would uh, that could be covered with a contract test, I would think. If we had that, we'd have a better understanding with our uh, users if we had contract tests.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you, you would certainly upgrade the contract tests you had. If you didn't have any contract tests at all, that's what I'm saying, is you'd see a hole. You'd see uncovered code. But yeah, for sure, if the user is not using it the way you expect, then uh, the, the response to anyone executing continuous delivery is to harden the pipeline. So you're going to go in and add the required tests uh, or change it so the user can't use it that way. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's true, too. Well, <laughs> oh, that was by design. You shouldn't be able to use it that way. <laughs> That's right. Nice. So we talked a lot about provider side. Should we shift? Do you, do you see a difference in in, a, in, a, in a, if you're a consumer now of this relationship?
1: Consumer side gets a little bit more complicated because it's far more than a unit test. Okay. Uh, if you're doing integration testing in a deterministic way, you're coding that as a unit test because you're testing, you know, how you're interacting with a downstream dependency, but not using the real dependency. But... The the complexity kind of comes into how mature you are at that, because generally people will start off with a static mock and they might use dependency injection to inject that static mock. But when you're using when you're doing that, you're not actually wiring up your application like it looks in production. And a key concept of CD is, is really trying to get as close to real production as you can as early as possible to detect defects as early as possible, to get that feedback, just that CD is all about its quality feedback, right? And so the next level up from that would be having a virtual service that represents the service that you control and just using uh, environment configuration to say point to this virtual service that we have recorded behavior in and let's test against that and make sure that we're integrating correctly with the virtual service and get a, re- a much higher level of confidence that um, we, we can deploy. And then you'd have a contract test to verify that virtual service matches the real service. Again, you wouldn't want to run that in the pipeline because that's a non-deterministic test. You're actually testing how they behave. You don't want to test for the behavior, but if they're down and the test fails, then your pipeline's broken for reasons unrelated to you. And so it's, it's trying to get that determinism as much as high as possible. A next, even better version is where you have providers and consumers collaborating together. Paul Hammond has a really good blog post on t- technical compatibility kits where both the provider and consumer are using that same suite of tests for the API. And so that's a really good pattern. Another one is if you have teams that are working very closely together or you have microservices on the same team, is using consumer-driven contracts with tools like PACT, where the consumer and the provider are both using a, a, a contract server. And if the consumer pushes a property, the provider needs to satisfy, the provider's test will actually break because uh, they're no longer meeting the contract the consumer needs. But that takes a much higher, that's for much closer aligned teams. So it depends on your alignment to your uh, provider.
0: Yeah, no, I like to parse on some of these big ideas. Let me just kind of cover a couple of things for the audience here. Sometimes a uh, consumer will use an API that, uh, in a way that the provider didn't uh, expect. So, how does it? Why does that happen? Sometimes a provider has two APIs to do the same thing. There's a there's an API that just returns one instance. You, you give it, uh, say, like an ID of something, and it returns one instance of something. And then there's often another kind of uh, API that will take a list of somethings from a cons- from a consumer, and then the producer will return a set of uh, responses to that list of somethings. So you can imagine that if, if you're a, a developer who's under deadline or even a prod- project who's on the producer side, you think, wow, we have this one API for a single instance, and then we have this other API for a long list. What they might not do on the producer side is they may not think about the case of, well, what if the person sends me a single item in my list instead of using the single item API? And uh, that would be an example of how it's easy to sort of uh, uh, miss something because you get in in this this state where, oh, the list API is always going to be a lot of something, not a single something.
1: I think that's it's just a little bit different from the, the, when I'm talking about contract testing. I mean, you're you're actually talking about functional testing, which is it's different from the contract. Contract is just, you know, hey, we've agreed we're going to speak Esperanto. We're speaking Esperanto, right? We've agreed this property will be named this in this location with this data type. It's it, it, That's true, right? We've agreed that you're going to get, you know, a 404. And you're not going to give me some other error code for this, right? That's true, mm. but not necessarily. And, and that I, we agree, I'm going to get an array, mm. and, not a, and, and not just a, a, an object. That's true, right? And so that's you're really focusing on the schema when you're talking about integration testing and contract testing, not behavior.
0: Oh, okay. Well, with, help me more. What's now a behavior test? It would be, for example.
1: Well, consumers should never test the behavior of providers. That's the provider's job, right? You should not be trying to do that. That's over-testing. You know, if you're doing an end-to-end test, you're by default testing the behavior of everything. But end-to-end tests are really, should be light anyway. But if I'm trying to test my ability to talk to a provider... Then, if I couple in their behavior, I'm over testing. And so the real skill there is is things like, "Hey, I'm going to send you an ID, and I expect to get a name, but I don't expect it to be Fred. Okay, I'm not going to assert that it's Fred for this ID. Okay, even though it might be now, right? And so it's it's there's that line.
0: That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad I stumbled into that. So the the idea is is you test shallowly with a contract test rather than deeply. Is that does that bring, yeah. does that align with what yeah. you're saying? Okay, yeah. so you're not testing that the data is exactly Fred, you're, you're testing that you got something that could be many things that are like Fred, like a string. Yeah, I got or, a
1: property called first name, it's a string, depending on what I'm expecting. Yes, it's a string and the length is greater than one. Okay. Right? Yeah. It, it, dep- it depends on what I need and what I expect, and what that contract actually is.
0: Okay. And maybe another frame for this would be: Is it protocol testing? Not not in the Swift uh, iOS sense, uh, though maybe it could be. But uh, this is just high level protocol testing. We're testing that we can communicate.
1: <laughs> Conceptually, it's just we're we're verifying the interface, but not the information in the interface. So, I mean, I could do a contract test, you know, I started my career and it was, uh, it was trigger files and pipe limited flat files coming across to FTP, right? And I could test, I could, I could use the same concept conceptually. It's not just rest. It's just a pattern. Hmm.
0: Yeah. I remember when we uh, handled this, we weren't thinking consciously of contract testing. We were just trying to get a, a test working that could connect to a service, sorry, to connect to an app server, which wasn't which was in a developer environment, wasn't connected to any services. So instead of going to the service, which didn't exist, it would just return a hard-coded string. So it would return back. The web page would fill up with the same string. It could be Fred all over the place. You know, what's the profile name is Fred. What's what's the uh, phone number? It's Fred, you know. So so in that way, we could just see if uh, what were we testing. We were testing that, number one, that we could get data, our fake data, back out. That's all we were testing. That's all we cared about at, at the time
1: before i even knew about a virtual service at all you know, we kind of independently invented virtual services in the area i was working on you know we were working on we were working on trying to figure out the cd thing and we were, we were doing it with real live. Uh, changes we had to make. I mean, we were, we were building out a new application and uh, the team that I was leading, we were building out basically a, a new graphical user interface to lay on top of legacy business logic that was served with uh, 80 by 24 green screen. And so the other team that we were working with, they were working on exposing this old legacy behavior with APIs so that we could then go and put that front end on it, all right? And we had, well, I don't need to go into all the complexity, but to do a full test and all that work together required loading in data from upstream systems that would flow down to them so that we can then go execute a test. And every test run took about four hours. Yeah, there we are. Right. And so to solve that, um, you know, we we had more bandwidth than they did. So what we did was we just submitted a pull request to them to give them a mock of their own contract that they could accept test header information. So we just say it's, you know, X test. And then when they got X test on the header, they would send us back the contract mock. And so if we wanted to test, uh, you know, it wasn't as decoupled as I would do today, but at least we could just go and hit them with a test center, get the contract mock and make sure that we were integrating correctly and keep going forward. And then when we went live in production, uh, I remember an incident where they uh, they made a change, broke their contract, and I found out immediately before anything went to production. As soon as I made a change, and it broke my tests on my desktop, you know that rapid feedback. I just turned around and said, "Hey guys, you broke something," and then huh. and fixed it. Right? Yeah. It didn't take four hours. It took milliseconds.
0: Wouldn't it be great to develop new features? with zero bugs. Deployment to production day doesn't have to be stressful. With some changes, it can be relaxing and just another day at the office. Are you a developer who has heard of test-driven development, but you haven't figured out how to apply it at work? If you have 90 minutes for a live over-the-web class, go to TDD Academy and sign up for my hands-on test-driven development coding dojo tdd academy next episode brian finster and i peel back the layers of the onion of contract testing earlier uh, uh frame where there's the team that's perfect at test automation but not doing contract testing another thing that might be happening is some of their tests run really slow because they're not taking advantage of testing against a virtual client, or if you're on the client's, uh, on, the, on the consumer side, you're not testing against a virtual service.
1: Now you said two things that kind of, they're, they're in conflict with each other, which is they're perfect to test automation, and yet they have all these giant problems. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, right, right. Slow, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly mean, slow have, test automation.
1: <laughs> they have test automation, but it's not as engineered as it could be. Right, right, right. No, no, I mean, it, and this is something that people, they don't give this enough thought. Testing is harder than the application code. It requires just as much engineering to get it done.